Okay, so um, it's nice to have you guys here. This is um, Dr. Nick of the Little Bits of Stuff podcast. And this is the part two of the um, Ask Dr. Nick sessions, the Q&As, question and answers. Uh, We had the part one yesterday where we had a lot of um, questions. Not all that weird. But um, yeah, they were cool questions, very common ones that actually, um, yeah, a lot of people do ask, you know, clinic visits and things like that. So very valid questions, uh, very concerning questions. And um, yeah, we were able to tackle some of them. And so today we'll be moving on with the rest of the questions and see how far we can get. Um, It should not be up to an hour long. 30 minutes max. So I'll try to move along as quick as possible. I'll try to uh, be fast as much as possible. So if you get lost um, (laughs) along the way, uh, just signify in the comment section. And yeah, I'm also recording this as a podcast episode. So you will see me looking, you know, in this direction uh, a lot of times because I have to also uh, monitor my equipment and software and everything like that so um yeah please bear with me with that so this is the facebook like live uh, session of the show and the uh, podcast episode or the podcast version that we did yesterday it's already online and you know where to get it at www.littlebitsofstuffpodcast little bits of stuff with nick um, dot com slash podcasts. So again, it's uh, com slash podcast. You'll see all the podcasts um, over there. So you can binge on it uh, whenever you want. And I'm also going to upload this uh, on the website uh, when it's done as a podcast episode. That's just the audio. And you should uh, be able to get this by tomorrow morning, latest 9 a.m. So I'm your host once again, Dr. Nick, and let's get this show running. So the first question here, let's see what we have. So this person says, um, hi, so I'm the type of person that when I eat beans or vegetable, I purge. Didn't realize until I started understanding my body system. It kind of got worse along the way, along the line, that practically everything purges me. From pure water that I'm probably not used to, to food with too much uh, spices, etc. Most times I purge every week, once or twice. The second to the last time I purged was two weeks ago. And flagell. <laughs> Flagell ceased to work until I used ORS. Um, still purged last week, but I couldn't figure out the cost. So um, I wouldn't say this is so common, uh, but it, it, in fact, it's not really that common at all. Uh, we rarely see uh, cases like this uh, back at work. And um, yeah, so she purges every now and then. It's, um, it can have a variety of um, causes. And um, for this particular uh, case, uh, it's such limited information, but there are a lot of reasonings, there are a lot of um, uh, 
um, causes that I can think of. First of all, um, one, she, this person may just have a sensitive bowel. Again, um, sorry I didn't mention that. We won't be mentioning names here. And so I'll just read out the questions. I could use it. He or she doesn't mean the person is a he or she. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how we roll. So um, this person definitely has um, most likely a sensitive bowel. Um, may have a medical condition, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, but I'm not saying this this person has any of this. Uh, what I'm saying is this. Um, the, the, this individual may be sensitive um, to a whole lot of things, just like you're allergic to things. It's possible that um, this person has um, some um, allergies before, has some intolerance to different kinds of meals. And so how I would approach this is for this person to actually uh, check out which foods actually purge um, them the most and start from there. And then um, try to avoid these foods for a while. And then um, from there, move on to um, actually trying to get to the bottom, the root of all this. And doing that involves visiting your doctor, of course. And you get um, examined, a good history taken from you, examined, and some tests uh, for you to do. Uh, but really, um, this just um, may be some sensitive bowel. This may just also be a medical condition. I would ask if this person's parents, uh, either dad or mom, usually dad, has also has this kind of um, condition. And so, again, flagell will not work. <laughs> um, if you've listened to my flagell episode, um, drug abuse, flagell abuse, um, you'll discover that flagell really doesn't work for purging. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people know that, but some do not really. So flagell do not really work for purging. It's not meant to stop you from purging. It's, it's an antibiotic, really. So it should definitely work to try to kill some organisms and all that. But it, it also can even cause purging on its own. So I would say watch what you eat. Um, try to uh, decipher which of these meals uh, cost you more. Of course, taking a pure water, which you can't uh, really uh, be certain about the condition of this water in terms of how safe it is to drink, um, of course, can cause you some problems and all that. And you may also have an imbalance of some organisms in your tummy, in your stomach, which uh, may be causing you issues. So there are so many issues that, I mean, I, I really can't elucidate all of them. And so you may need to see your doctor and get that checked. It's actually concerning if you uh, tend to purge every week, even once or twice, uh, no matter how many times, if you purge every week, you should see your doctor. It's actually very concerning. So moving on to her uh, second question. She said, my stepbrother do have seizures like almost every time and it's usually bad. His mom thinks it's spiritual, but I believe it's not. Is there anything he can use? So first off, we don't think anything is spiritual. <laughs> In my line of work, we don't think anything is spiritual. There's a space, there's a um, part for... Um, alternative medicine, not in the spiritual means of you know going to pray at the mission house, for example. 
but um, there's a space for religion, clergy, this or that, norms, tradition, and blah, 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 which has been evolving over the years. But for real, for real, we don't um, think this is spiritual. Um, it depends on when your brother um, actually started having these seizures. And there are so many causes to these seizures. It may be some form of brain dysfunction. It may be from birth, um, events that happened at birth. It may be environmental. It may some genetic um, component has been um, attributed to it and so on. So if you have seizures almost every time, there is, a, there is an underlying medical condition that you, you need to you know, address as soon as, as, soon as possible. So um, is, this is not a matter of is there anything he can use. This is a matter of can you get to the hospital and see a neurologist who will definitely assess this um, uh, individual and get to the bottom of this. It may be anything at all. The causes are like this, like a full textbook. So <laughs> it's not um, something you should joke with, really. So um, that's that for that. Uh, the next question says, why do medical treatments hardly cure some female infections? In some cases, the treatments does not work at all. The question here will be, where did you get your treatments? A lot of people walk into pharmacies and get drugs and just tell them, oh, I have, you know, an itch down there. I have a discharge down there. And then, you know, they just get drugs prescribed for them and they go home and start taking these drugs. It doesn't work. The next time they go to the, the same pharmacy, it has not worked and all that. There are, there are things we do in the hospital for, for situations like this. When you go to the hospital, you get properly, properly checked up. There's always one common denominator here. You have to get to the root of the problem before you start prescribing drugs for the patient. So if you have not gotten to the root of the problem, if you have not um, at least have had an idea of, you know, what may be wrong with this patient up to a very good percentage, uh, then you cannot be prescribing drugs for what you don't know is actually happening. So first of all, where do you get your medical treatments? Uh, because I discovered, you know, from experience, when someone says they got, they got treated and all that, at the end of the day, when you probe, you discover that this person got treatment from a pharmacy, this person got treatment from a health center, you know, and things like that. So it does happen that they don't get uh, properly checked, they don't get properly um, um, assessed. And, you know, they keep on treating these things for over a long time. We, we get them um, a lot of times, you know. And, um, of course, I would advise that this person, you know, goes to a, a proper hospital and um, sees to it that, you know, he or she makes it known that he or she has been using so so, -so and so drugs. He, has, he or she has been taking this particular treatment for a while and it has not subsided or it has not resolved. That is how I would go about this. That is what I would suggest for this patient or for this person, sorry. Uh, so, yeah. Hardly cure female infections. I don't agree with that. I, I do think that there's a lot of drug abuse. There's a lot of, um, um, on how would I put it now? There's a lot of um, treatment without clinical basis uh, that goes on out there. 
And so I, I think um, if you see a, a doctor, if you go to the hospital and get assessed properly, you will definitely get to the bottom of this and it becomes um, something that uh, will stop bothering you after some time. Next question. I hope I'm not too fast, guys. So this question says, hello, doc. Um, at what age do men lose their sexual drive and how can you improve it? <laughs> I must say that, you know, in the past, um, in the past one year, I've actually gotten a lot of um, questions like this in terms of sexual drive. There's, there's this thing about uh, sexual drive. <laughs> a lot of people are talking about sexual drive. And um, <laughs> uh, well, sex is a good thing. <laughs> sex is a good thing. Uh, yeah, so you can definitely, you can uh, definitely ask questions like this. It's, it's okay. It's concerning if you have issues like erectile dysfunction and things like that. So uh, let's talk about this. At what age do men lose their sexual drive? The truth of the matter is that, you know, from a lot of um, research journals and things like that, it can be any age. And that is, that is true. It can be any age. There's just a greater proportion of a certain age that um, can actually, you know, experience this um, um, a lot of times. And, you know, of course, as men age, you also tend to have more uh, risks or you tend towards, you know, having a reduced sexual drive as compared to a 30-year-old or a 20-year-old guy, for example. So um, the major hormone for sex drive is the testosterone and it decreases every year. It decreases as you age. So at some point, you would, you know, have such a low you know, testosterone that you may not really be able to um, perform as much as you did while you were younger. So um, there are several factors, you know, that can, you know, cause this. And again, apart from, um, apart from this, there are several data that has been, you know, um, um, churned out over the years about how many percentage, how many percent of people actually do have um, sexual dysfunction or erectile dysfunction at a particular age. And some people has, you know, just uh, talked about 25% of people under the age of 40 uh, have erectile dysfunction. Uh, some people have now said above the age of 50, uh, you may have um, sexual erectile, the percentage actually tallies with <laughs> the age of the person. So 50% of people um, who are 50 years of age will definitely, you know, will tend towards erectile dysfunction. Uh, 60% of people who are 60 years of age will tend towards erectile dysfunction. 70% of people who are 70 years of age will tend towards erectile dysfunction. So you can see, you know, where this is going. So um, this may not be true because it has also been found that even people who had um, low testosterone and you know the, the data i gave now was just because of the testosterone issue so you find that even people who had low testosterone still performed well and still had a normal sexual drive you know um even in the face of that so the research has been you know neither here here nor there 
and a lot of um thoughts a lot of school of thought has had come into this so now the truth of the matter is this um even younger men um okay because the next question says also talk about erectile dysfunction affecting the younger age groups now uh, meaning that this person knows that it's now getting becoming you know uh more common for a for younger people to have erectile dysfunction. So I'll talk about that too. So there are several causes, you know, of erectile dysfunction. There are several reasons why, you know, someone may have erectile dysfunction and it can be environmental. They can be, um, um, underlying medical conditions, most commonly for people who have diabetes, most commonly for people who are hypertensive. And you can see the, the, the number of people who are diabetic or hypertensive, you know, in our society nowadays, um, most commonly for people who have um, who are on drugs for one thing or the other, you know, even drugs as common as ketoconazole, you know, that ladies love to buy and then use it for uh, vaginal infections and things like that, can cause some reduced sexual drive. So m- several medications, medications used for prostates, you know, prostate issues and things like that can cause erectile dysfunction. So a lot of things can cause erectile dysfunction and some psychological issues can cause erectile dysfunction. The one that has been found to be, you know, uh, most common in the younger age group, like 30, for example, are, you know, issues like anxiety. So anxiety, tension and all that, you find a young guy, 30 years old, who wants to have sex and in, you know, the next um one minute you know indomie is ready <laughs> so the next one minute noodles is ready and um you know you start wondering you know what happened um igolo uh, is saying what medicine did you just mention did that touch you <laughs> i said ketoconazole ketoconazole is um one of the antifungal medicines or creams or so that people use. So it can be tablets or creams and things like that. So, yeah, so moving on. So I was talking about um, a younger age group now having um, um, erectile dysfunction. So you can have a younger man who is anxious about having sex. Either ego has been bruised somewhere um either either um he's anxious about the sex or tensed about the sex and things like that you know these people tend to have erectile dysfunction more um if they've had um some psychological problems from birth if they've had some um trauma and anxiety problems like we talked about yesterday from birth these are some of the common reasons why younger people nowadays are having erectile dysfunction you know, uh, more than before. Again, substance abuse, alcohol, um, stress, either from home or from work, are one of the major reasons also why uh, people are having erectile dysfunctions at a younger age more than before. The pressure is on guys, man. The streets, the streets are not smiling, you know, for guys. You know, no matter how much you look at. Um, uh, what women think, but I mean, the streets are not smiling. So emotional um, um, disturbances from home, from work, you know, the girlfriend giving him issues is enough to cause some 
um, erectile dysfunction. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's move on from that. So, yeah, that's why some younger men are having um, erectile dysfunction nowadays. And again, who says who says younger men cannot have um, what do you call it, um, cardiovascular disorders? Or who says younger men cannot have these underlying medical conditions? Gone are the days when we talk about medical conditions like hypertension and diabetes uh, occurring at the older age groups. Now, not too long ago, we have, um, I heard of someone who was just 30 something, you know, who died from stroke, you know, and things like that. So these things do happen. Diabetes, stroke, I mean, diabetes, hypertension, and things like that, you know, happens um, uh, frequently more at younger age groups now. And of course, like I mentioned, substance abuse, cocaine, uh, marijuana, Colorado, um, you know, uh, SK and, you know, different things like that. You know, it does it does cause erectile dysfunction. So that age group is also susceptible to having erectile dysfunction. So to improve it, get um, going with doing away with a lot of um, these things that I mentioned. Um, try to reduce your stress level, you know, have a good sleep, sleep some more, uh, reduce your alcohol intake, uh, avoid tobacco smoking, uh, even, of course, I'm, I know a lot of people must be talking about shisha now. Don't smoke shisha, don't take shisha. It's still part of what we are talking about, okay? Um, if it has to do with smoke, so don't do it. So um, you can also try to eat a healthier meal, Okay, a lot of vitamins are needed, you know, for these functions, you know, and things like that. So uh, that is what I would advise um, apart from visiting your doctor. Hormonal imbalances cannot run away from this issue. It's part of what is going to cause uh, this issue too, even in, in the younger age group. So um, you may want to see your doctor if it is concerning, if it has... Um, some detrimental issues and it's affecting your functionality. So uh, that is what I will advise. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Siphon says, "Why the girlfriend?" Of course, <laughs> don't let me don't 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 even let me start on that now. So, um, next question says, "My previous period was on the twenty seventh of April." Though my flow is for five days, but this latest for three days, and it was not heavy, like scanty. Now again, this month, I'm having the same issue, and this came earlier than expected. It came on 22nd. So the question is, why the change of date and irregular? Okay, so uh, irregular period, um, how can I, and then how can I calculate my fertile period slash ovulation so irregular periods uh how to calculate um fertile period or ovulation so um irregular periods um normal periods should be between 24 to 35 days if i can remember so well uh so um if you're having irregular periods you know things like it came this month it didn't come next month or it came you know at shorter periods you know and things like that that can be termed as irregular, okay? Um, so if you have irregular periods, again, there are several causes for that. Um, for the ladies in the house, you can remember when 
your period started when you just started menstruating. It doesn't come every month. Most of the time, most a higher percentage of people, of ladies, have this um, swinging um, periods, you know, that comes um, the first month. If this happened to you, you can signify, you know, comes the first month and then doesn't come the second or third month and then comes the fifth month and all that before it then gets, you know, settled and everything spreads out, uh, spreads out nicely. Again, the extremes of age. When you get into the uh, premenopausal period, it starts behaving like that too. You have these irregular periods and then later on goes away. If you have um, um, hormonal imbalances, either from um, um, several causes, uh, medical conditions and so on, even emotional, you can have changes in your periods, you know, and you you may start seeing fluctuations and things like that. In fact, if you change an environment, if you change a diet, you know, and things like that, you may start having irregular periods. So again, well, I'm not seeing this person in front of me, so I can't ask so many questions about this. This question just came in like that. And so um, what I would say is this, if you have irregular periods that are, are concerning, when I say concerning, um, usually anything greater than six months, you have these irregular periods or you, you've not even had a period at all. Of course, you, you have to check that out because you may just be pregnant if you're sexually active. So if you've not even had periods at all for a period, of, a period of six months or it has been, you know, irregular for, you know, that long too, of course you need to check it out. You need to visit your doctor and then they'll, again, the normal process, take history, um, examine you and then you know, run some tests because we discussed this yesterday. There are a whole lot of several um, things that can happen uh, for you to have irregular periods ranging from medical conditions and all the other things I talked about before. So um, how to calculate your fertile period of ovulation? I think someone wants to get pregnant here. <laughs> okay, so your menstrual cycle, if we want to start from there, um, how do I put this now? So the first day of your menstrual cycle to the um, first day of the beginning of the next, okay? If I want to put it this way, the first day you started bleeding, that your, that your period starts, to the second day, uh, hold on, a lot of years, uh, you can add them at any point. Okay, does any one of you, Idara or Gozier, Asogwa, want to join? I can see it looks like you signified you wanted to join. Okay, so Busaya said he wants to know how not to get pregnant. Okay, so, uh, well, people like that would ask for safe period instead. So, <laughs> let's just move on. Okay, so now, um, the first day of your menstrual period, that is when you start seeing the bleeding. So the first day of the next one is actually your menstrual cycle. That's your, the period itself. Okay, so um, Gozem wants to join. Um, bringing her to the camera now. Uh, let's see if she would accept. Okay, so while, while that loads up. So, yeah, um, that is how, that is the whole, you know, cycle length, the first day of the 
beginning of the first period to the first day of the next. Now, when you have the first day of the next, the whole thing is your period. Okay, so you sub if you subtract 14 days from the next day, I mean, from the end of that period, that's your ovulation essentially. So again, if you have a 28 days cycle, for example, then it means that you your ovulation may just be on the 14th day. So between the 11th, 12th, um, between the 12th, 13th, 14th, or 15th day, you may actually have your ovulation because it's not constant every every month. So it's, it's just a range of when you could actually have your ovulation. Now, um, your fertile period is usually some few days, like two or three days before um, the, the start of your period. I mean, the start of before your ovulation day to up to a day or two after your ovulation day. So it may be more for some people, it may be less, you know, for some people, depending on the individual. So you can have, um, so you can have um, um, two to three days before and two to three days after for your ovulation period. Um, uh, for your fertile period, sorry, if you if you want to calculate it like that. So I'll start from beginning again. So now you have your period length, you've calculated it. You subtract 14 days from the end of the period, that's most likely where your ovulation is. And then you have, um, and then you have, um, what do you call it? Your 14th day, I mean, of your cycle uh, being the, uh, ovulation day. So I said some two or three days before that and some two days or so after that may just be your fertile window. And now the reason that is, is because um, one, your ovulation day may be any of this. Secondly, the sperm has been found to um, survive almost up to um, three days. Some people say three days. Some people say five days. Uh, I don't. I don't know which which um, which book you're reading. So, um, if you have um, what you call it, um, sex, penetrative sex, that you know you ejaculated some sperm a day before your ovulation, it's still possible for you to get pregnant. So it means you're fertile at that period. If you have it, you know, the the egg itself may stay up to 24 hours. So if you had it um, a day before, I mean, if you have sex a day after your ovulation, it's still possible, you know, for you to get pregnant. So um, that is just um, that about the fertile period. If you don't understand it um, yet, still just signify in the comment section. I'll take it again. Um, after a while. So that is how you calculate um, that. The next question here says, um, one <laughs> is a list actually. One, my menses don't come regularly. Sometimes it comes late, um, eight to 10 days. Yeah, we've, we've sorted that out um, just a moment ago. I don't have sex urge again. I tried masturbating, even video sex with a friend. I watched Blue Fame, still not working. Again, we talked about that, you know, just a moment ago. So um, that's just about the sex drive. So we talked about, we've talked about it yesterday. We talked about it today. 
reasons why you may be having a decreased um, sex drive and things like that. Can I try sex toy? Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I really don't have an answer for that one. <laughs> it depends on um, your um, orientation, really. That's, that's, that's just what I'd say. It depends on your orientation. I can't advise you medically to go the way of a sex toy. And then um, I get angry with myself. I get tired easily. Um, those are the next questions. Okay, so I asked to clarify. I said any small housework, I don't, I don't tire, even if not cooking. Yeah, so... Um, of course, this may just be some um, mood issues uh, which you need to sort out. If you need therapy, you can signify. I can uh, connect you to someone who will uh, give you some therapy. Uh, but aside from that, um, I may not be able to help here. So the next question, so that we can move on, says, um, is there any negative effects on baby? when pregnant women sleep on their back is there any negative effect on baby when pregnant women sleep on their back so yes um it's not advisable for pregnant women to sleep uh on their backs um for well one it um disrupts the blood supply to the mother disrupts the blood supply to the uh baby Okay, so um, what happens is this. There's a very big blood vessel just, on to the, just a little bit to the right of your spine at your back. So uh, that blood takes blood from your body, most places in your body, all the way to your heart, which is then you know, pumped out back through to the body again. So if you lie on your back, especially when you're heavily pregnant, the baby tends to, you know, lie directly central and then, you know, presses on that, you know, big blood vessel. Okay. <laughs> Juliet says, it appears there are more women with menstrual issues than those without. <laughs> maybe I should be, maybe I should, I should do a research into that. Okay. So, yeah, as we were saying, there, there are, um, the, 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 this blood vessel that's, you know, the big blood vessel that takes blood back to your heart that the baby lies on, you know, disrupts blood flow back to the, um, to the body, I mean, to the heart. So in that way, you have less blood, you know, pumped to back to the body and essentially the fetus or the, the baby and even the mother gets less than you know, what the mother is supposed to get. So that is why we advise when you come to the hospital that you should um, try to lie on your side. Now, whether it's the left or it's the right, trust me, a lot of people are debating this, but the common knowledge is to lie on your left side when you're pregnant, especially heavily pregnant, meaning as, the, as you know, the pregnancy progresses, like uh, talk about the uh sixth month and above and all that so you don't want to lie on your back because it will disrupt how uh the blood supply to both the baby and the mother uh functions effectively so that is the answer for, to that so don't lie on your back please there's this pain the next question now 
there's this pain pregnant women feel in lap joints close to the vagina. <laughs> what causes it? I don't know if we have any pregnant women in the house. Um, I think they say one in five pregnant women um, experience this. I, I know a lot of pregnant women experience this actually. Uh, so it's, um, uh, there's a name for it. It's, um, it's a symphysis, symphysis pubis dysfunction. Yeah, it's called a symphysis pubis dysfunction. Uh, I don't want to bore you with the big names here, but what essentially happens is this. When, as the pregnancy progresses, your body releases a particular type of hormone, a particular type of substance that relaxes your joints, especially at the pelvic region, you know, towards your waist. It relaxes those joints so that it prepares effectively for the coming of the baby, just like the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> so it, it prepares effectively, you know, for the coming of the baby for an easy birth, an easy delivery. Um, so that the baby can pass through without issues, you know, so that everything can expand. So if you have something like this that the baby is supposed to come out from, you 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 tend to have some laxity so that the baby can actually, you know, navigate effectively and everything is not just rigid. The pelvic bone is not just rigid. So it can happen at the front where we have um, the symphysial pubis diastasis. It can happen at the back. And so that's why pregnant women complain of back pain. And that's why some complain of pain um, near the vagina. They can even complain of pain towards their thighs or their inner thighs and so on and so forth. They can complain of pain at their lower tummy region and so on. So um, it's just because of this hormone that is released that helps to relax. So it's trying to do something good, <laughs> but at the same time, it's it's also you know detrimental in the fact in the sense that you uh, tend to have pains in those joints and all that so when you try to um lift objects when you try to get out of bed you know when you try to stool um stuplo when you try to get up you know from a squatting position and things like that you have this pain either at the back or um in front and this um gets worrisome but the truth of the matter is that it doesn't really have any um serious issues to with the baby so your baby is fine and you don't get um any real detrimental detrimental effect on your baby so um what what is advisable in this um situation is of course Again, as we always say, visit your doctor, but your doctor will most likely refer you also to a physiotherapist because uh, physiotherapy helps a lot in these um, situations. Uh, they can use some um, um, machines and so on to help you reduce pain and help you cope with this towards your pregnancy uh, period and delivery. And they can also help you to... Um, I mean, you can also get some prescriptions for some pain um, if it becomes bo uh, bothersome. And um, these are just some of the, you know, very subtle things that can be done to that, to, to um, alleviate, yeah, to alleviate the problem a little bit. But else, um, there's really no uh, big deal with this. So... The next question, and I hope the last on this list, 
Yeah, so that we can round up for today. The next question says, how can a couple determine when to have sex to get a male child? The questions people ask. Oh, before that, so who produces the female gender? Is it the man or the woman? Who produces the female gender? Is it the man or the woman? So, okay, so the, the um, how would I put this now? The baseline here is that the man determines everything, okay? Just like the man, like the men like to believe that um, they are the head, you know, and um, they are the men and things like that. So, yes, you can actually say you're the man here. So, the man determines um, gender, essentially. Okay, so um, what happens is this. Um, males have an X and Y uh, sex chromosomes, which, you know, determine, and the females have, you know, just XX. The X is, you know, determines, um, decodes for the female, for a female, and the Y is um, for a male. So if you have an XY, it means um, you're a male. If you have an XX, it means you're a female. So a female definitely releases just only Xs. <laughs> the, the man determines everything. So a female releases X's only. So if you leave it to the female, you only be giving birth to females, you know, for life. You know, everybody will be female at the end of the day. So that is why the man, you know, has come into play, you know, as the man that we are, <laughs> as the men that we are. So we, we, we have the X and the Y. So when you release some sperm into this uh, woman, what the, the, the one that fertilizes the egg is what determines what gender the female will be. So if it's your ex, if it's the man's ex, um, the, the sperm's carrying the ex that uh, fertilizes the egg, then you're giving, back, you're, giving, you're giving birth to a female. If it's the um, Y that fertilizes the egg, then you're, of course, going to make XY so you give birth to a male. So that is how it works. So it depends on which of the man's sperm uh, carrying the X or the Y that fertilizes the female, which is essentially baseline XX. So if you see, um, this this has put to bed a lot of um, issues where a man is um, a man's wife is giving birth to females all through female, 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 female. And then, you know, the family members come, the in-laws come and say, he cannot give you, uh, she cannot give you a male and all that. The real problem actually is with the man. You know, he is the one that cannot give himself, <laughs> he's the one that cannot give himself a male child. Because if he, um, if he definitely, you know, gives only Y chromosomes, only Y sex, you know, stuff, um, he'll definitely get a male child. So, um, well, that's on a lighter note anyway. So the next question to that is that how can a couple determine when to have sex to get a male child? I think almost like 50% of the questions I got was on sex. Why, why do you people like sex so much? <laughs> oh, good. Anyway, um, So anyway, um, sorry for that breaking transmission. Um, so yes, how can a couple determine when to have sex? 
that's the question here. I keep hearing people say, if you have sex at night or cold weather, <laughs> then there is a 90% chance that it will be a male child. I don't know how true this is, but I heard that, but I, ha- but I hear it at a salon, tailor shops, markets, and even buses. Anywhere, um, some kind of women are gathered. So this is what you females discuss um, at the um, salons, at the tailor shops, at the markets and buses and all that. I, I, I see now. I see now. You see some females gather and you think um, they're actually doing something or discussing some business and all that. So you people are discussing um, how to have sex at night with uh, cold weather so that you can have a male child. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, Siphon says, it's good to know that all of the problems we've been accused of causing, it is still the man that is the problem when it comes to the sex of the child. Besides, uh, says, what do we do, you are big. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, um... It has not really been found to be that uh, feasible to determine uh, when to have a particular sex of a child. That is the truth. Um, there are several myths about this. Uh, there's one that says if you allow the egg, you know, wait for the sperm. If you allow the sperm, wait for the egg, you know, and, and stuff like that. There's a particular um, researcher and a particular uh, author that has talked about um, what they call the Shetu method. Uh, let me see if I can leave it here. So they call it the, the Shetu method. And the, the, the guy made some postulations, some um, hypotheses and things like that. Um, I'm not really going to go into that. It's a lot of um, complex issues about how the X chromosome or the Y chromosome can, you know, survive in some kind of um, um, milieu in the vagina. And um, that if you have... The woman, I think he talked about if you have the woman orgasm first, uh, because the X, the X chromosome likes an acidic environment. The Y chromosome, the Y um, sperm likes the alkaline environment. And so he's saying that, um, of course, when women orgasm, the whole secretions and all that that it gets makes everything near the cervix uh, and the uterus a little bit alkaline, which is suitable for the which is suitable for the uh, Y chromosome. And then he's saying that um, if you can allow the woman orgasm first, you increase your chance of, you know, uh, getting a male child. He's also saying that if you uh, do it from the back, <laughs> if you do it from the back, then because from the back you have a deeper penetration and so you have a better chance of shooting your shots to nearer the cervix than if you just put it in the vagina, you know, for them to swim on. And that he also feels that, you know, if you do it a day after your ovulation, the Y sperm, because they are lighter and they swim faster, they get to the um, egg before the X, uh, you know, X sperm, which is lazy, heavy, of course, you know, 
<laughs> don't let me say like the women like the woman gender so like the female gender so <laughs> so yeah so that's what um he talked about but all these has you know been debated for a a, a long time so you can't really uh talk about this in you know international climes and all that and not get some uh people trying to argue with you and it's it's really not been reproducible and you know it's really not been helpful uh so much as to say yeah it really definitely works because it, it takes a lot to actually achieve all these things so it, it may not be as simple as you see it so I, i'm not going to advise i'm not going to stick out my neck to say this works I, I can't i can't say that so my answer definitely to this is for now there's no real recommendations or there's no real um ways for you to determine um when to have sex to get a male child and so on um what are the things that really causes miscarriage that's um i think that's the last question on my list here what are the things that really causes miscarriage uh there are a lot of things uh there are a lot of things that um cause miscarriage and um well there are there are a lot but top on the list is uh things like infection recurrent infection uh causes uh, miscarriages um radiation toxic agents you know all these things that we put in our vagina nowadays um <laughs> well i said our vagina thank god i'm male you know kayamata this one that one and you know things like that uh, they all you know um eventually may cause one thing or the other don't quote me anyway i'm not saying kayamata causes uh, miscarriages anyway so yeah infection um hormonal changes hormonal irregularities um again for some people who have a genetic uh, chromosomal uh, issue right from you know their genetic um composition and all that may have what we call a habitual or recurrent miscarriage and so um this uh, really is um um how would i put it challenging because um a lot of times we don't test for you know the gene component and all that uh so um it, it's kind of like an exclusion uh, like a diagnosis of exclusion nowadays you know amongst um different hospitals in this country so if you have infection hormonal imbalances um again at a at an older age it's much more difficult to get um um pregnant at an older age talk about the 40s and so on close to the menopause than at a younger age so yeah that is there if you have a cervix that is lax in terms of um um how would i put it now what we call a cervical incompetence um it um it 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 causes a situation whereby the the vagina really cannot hold um what do you call it cannot hold a baby okay so it wants it, it just expels it the sorry the cervix cannot hold the baby in the uterus so any little you know pressure and all that it just you know um it just um expels um expels the baby and at various uh, stages in the pregnancy that happens so um 
again, if you have, if your womb um, has some developmental abnormalities in terms of the shape of the womb, uh, the structure of the womb itself, and things like that, you the it may cause um, miscarriages because the baby can't really, you know, it can't really accommodate you know, the baby and all that at some point or the other. So um, that again causes uh, miscarriages. Uh, so um, let me see if there's any other question here. So what you can do is to um, share a link to this video. It will be available um, at the end of this um, of this uh, live event, and then uh, you can share it to your groups. You can share it to WhatsApp. You can share it anywhere, just to you know help others to get these um, answers. And then you know you you don't know who may just need this, uh, so. Um, yeah, it will be beneficial for some. So, okay, Juliet says she can hear loud and clear. So, yeah, um, if if there's really no other questions, there's really no um, other clarifications, um, can we bring this to a close? So, it's it's been a wonderful time with you guys. Um, I've seen, I've seen all your comments and, um, yeah, it's, it's been a good show. Um, we'll definitely do this sometime, which I'll announce on your, um, pages. I'll announce on my page, announce on my personal, um, Facebook accounts and announce on WhatsApp, Instagram and everywhere. So, um, thanks for turning out today. Thanks for, uh, making this fun. Thanks for all the comments, all the questions that were sent in. Thanks for, you know, inviting your friends here. Um, I really appreciate you guys. You guys make my day every day. So um, I wish you guys a very good night. Um, I hope these questions and these answers really did help. And um, yeah, I'll see you guys on the next episode of the little bits of stuff podcast and please do not um, hesitate to go to my website www.littlebitsofstuffwithnick.com slash podcasts to get a uh, peek through all the podcasts that has been um, um, produced over time so yeah we call it a night we call it a day wherever you're uh, watching this from and Thank you very much for coming. See you next episode. Bye.